1: Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher. I don't know whether you guys missed me or not last week when you were celebrating your Thanksgiving holiday or whatever else you may have been doing, but I certainly missed all of you. Uh, it, it just wasn't... Uh, it, the week felt somehow incomplete without all of the usual interaction and banter uh, with all the podcast listeners. So I'm back this week, and you'll all be so happy to know that I'm not alone. I'm in Las Vegas by myself, but joining me here via Skype is your friend and mine, Mr. Snost and Lost himself, Jason Smith. Welcome back, Jason.
0: Thanks, Clayton. Happy to be back.
1: How are you feeling this time?
0: I feel great,
1: man. Oh, good, because last time we had you on, I think that you were uh, suffering from the Ebola virus or was it SARS? I can't recall.
0: Uh, It was a little of (laughs) both.
1: That strange, peculiar combination of SARS and the Ebola virus. Well, uh, he's needless to say, he's made a miraculous recovery and uh, he's he's back with us. So uh, first things first, how is the online grind treating you these days?
0: Uh, it's going okay. You know, my focus has been I've been playing a bit, but I've been doing. Uh, so I got a new job. Oh. I uh I am now the manager for the ACR Stormers group.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. So uh, that has been keeping me pretty busy, kind of learning the in and outs. It's sort of like learning on the fly. You know, I've never really had a management position before, so. It's a, it's a whole new world for me, but I'm like, you know, it's, it's interesting. A whole new world. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I was can <laughs> hey, you con- would break into the song. I was, really, <laughs> I was like, yeah. maybe if I say this, Clayton will bless us with a song.
1: <laughs> yeah, only if it's a Disney reference. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's my strict rule for no reason whatsoever. Hey, man, congratulations on the new job. That's fantastic.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: So what exactly does your new job entail?
0: So there is a group of ambassadors for ACR, for the ACR Stormers group called the Gold Stormers. I was in the Gold Stormers for the last year or so, and then uh, I became the manager for that group. Um, The the guy who created the group ACR Stormers um, passed away, unfortunately, a couple of months ago.
1: Okay. And
0: he was the uh, the manager after he created the group. He started managing the group and, um, he, you know, he was in charge of, like, what was going on with the Gold Stormers, what promotions they were pushing and all that kind of stuff. And he was also, you know, kind of there for the greater community, the greater ACR Stormer community, the people who are kind of like, you know, regulars in the home games and the ACR Stormer streams. And, you know, we have like an open mic stri- uh, stream once a week, which means there's somebody in the ACR Stormers who is not a Gold Stormer who gets to host uh, a home game. You so,
1: know? Jason, let me just back you up a little bit. I'm sure, sure a lot of the listeners know what you're talking about, but I just oh, have sure. this weird feeling that some of them are like me and they're more live pros. What's a Stormer? What's a Gold Stormer? Okay, uh, what's yeah, a group? What's yeah,
0: I apologize. What's a
1: group? I don't, I don't get it. Tell me what's so, going on with this stuff. <laughs>
0: Okay, so the ACR Stormers, it's just like a, you know, it's basically like a low-stakes community, right? There's low-stakes home games. There's always these, like, you know, they do stuff to promote ACR. There's giveaways that that you can win. You can win little, like, loyal rewards, like tournament tickets and, um, you know, buy-ins for tournaments, things like that. It's just a way to sort of get people who aren't involved in online poker that might want to play for smaller stakes involved, get people who are, who who play smaller stakes involved in our community, you know? Yeah. Um, And that's basically what it's all about. It's about, you know, it's kind of celebrating the low stakes guys while also promoting the high stakes players in the field. And um, yeah, you know, there's like a discord chat and there's, um, you know, there's all these Twitch streamers that are part of Stormers, and, you know, it's just a community of online poker players, basically.
1: And our very own Killing Bird, Derek Tenbush, yes, is uh, he, a Stormer of some kind. Yeah, he's a Gold he
0: Stormer. Yeah, he's one of the Gold Stormers. So, okay. Um, yeah, they, you know, they send us, they, they do all these, like, promotions for us, too. Like, the Gold Stormers, they're kind of the ambassadors, right? Okay. And so Derek and I were both Gold Stormers, and we got a chance to go to Costa Rica uh, in May wow. to commentate for a live event that was down there. And so the Gold Stormers, like being part of that group, was what created that opportunity for
1: us. Got right, it,
0: right? Yeah. So it's uh, yeah.
1: Very cool. Yep, so that's how, I,
0: that's how I met Derek. That's how I know him. Yep.
1: Oh no kidding. So now if you if you are uh, an online player. And you want to become a stormer, uh, what is the process of of becoming a gold stormer or a stormer at all?
0: so it, you just fill out a little uh, registration form online for free, and then you are officially an a c r stormer and then you know if you want to be involved in the community, which is why you would join stormers to begin with you you know you can there's there's a home game uh every night of the week, seven days a week. And you can, you know, view the streams where the Stormers kind of hang out and um, play poker and talk poker. And, you know, there's like a strategy discussion in the Discord and then there's just like a life discussion. And, you know, it's just a it's just a it's just a standard, you know, poker community.
1: It sounds really cool. What makes it a home game?
0: So it's just called the home game. it's just like you know you if you're a, if you frequent a streamer who's part of the gold stormers then you can get a password to enter a home game so it's just basically like the community playing a tournament that's just for the community it's in the private section of the tournament lobby and anybody's welcome you know as long as you're if you're, if you're hanging out and stream you'll hear about it and uh yeah Derek's home game is actually tonight
1: right and I know that he has a charity component um, yeah. Derek is a big fan of dogs. And I believe that his uh, event tonight, as we're recording this on November 27th, uh, Derek is unable to join us for this uh, podcast recording because he is storming it up and he's doing it for the Beagles.
0: Yes, he is. (laughs) For the Tri Beagle Rescue, I think it's called.
1: Okay. Yeah, like,
0: maybe I have that name wrong. I could have that wrong. But it's for a beagle rescue that he him and his wife support and they put in a lot of time and effort toward it.
1: It's very cool. I yeah. love when I love when I hear about people using poker and their adjacency is that a word to poker as a uh as a way to do something good because you know, at the end of the day, how many titles you win or how many rings or bracelets or uh, even how many dollars you make, I don't really think that determines your success uh, on earth you know, I've been spending a lot of time on this podcast talking about despicable behavior <laughs> among poker players and how it make us all it makes us all look bad when someone gets in trouble uh for doing something wrong like uh William Kasouf or Gordon Veo, uh where they get get in trouble for kind of doing something shady or breaking the rules or just committing a crime, as you know, in some cases. And so it's nice to hear about poker players, uh, you know, trying to make a difference in a positive way and not just uh, every man for himself kind of mentality. So I love it. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So what is the link? If I wanted to go online and, and register to become an official stormer, do you, uh, am I putting you on the spot by asking you for the link? If you, if not, we could just put it in the show notes.
0: I can find it for you in two seconds. Okay. I don't have it off the top of my head.
1: Alright, well he's while he's looking for that. We'll let you guys know what else we're going to be discussing today. This won't be just a commercial <laughs> for Jason and the ACR stormers. We are going to be talking some strategy. As I mentioned, I'm in Las Vegas and uh, one of the things that brought me here was I wanted to participate in the World Series of Poker Circuit event main event uh at planet hollywood so i did play in that and i have uh, i think a pretty interesting hand uh, that i played in that, that i'm going to be getting to and uh we're also going to have a hand that jason is going to share i believe it's one that he played in an online event i've been playing a lot of cash games here in vegas as well but this is tournament poker edge, so I'm going to wait until somebody else starts cash poker edge and talk about those hands on that podcast because I'm staying on brand. Even though, (laughs) even though I would love to talk about some of these cash game hands, we're not going to be doing that today. Have I stalled long enough for you to get that link for us, Jason? So
0: I don't have the link that I (laughs) can say the link, but it's super long. Oh right, okay. In the the notes. Okay,
1: yeah, we'll we'll make sure that we put that in the notes. Yeah, yeah,
0: I promise you, nobody's writing it down if I say it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, it's good. Uh, You know, online poker can be a bit isolating. Uh, you know, I mean, playing online poker can be an isolating experience. It can get lonely at times. I know a lot of people do that kind of on their own, maybe all by themselves. You know, the stereotype is the online pro in his parents' basement in his pajamas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, you just sent me that link. Yeah, that's no one's gonna be able to <laughs> write that down, but we'll definitely include that in the show notes for you guys. Uh, so I love that. You know, we're trying to build a little bit more camaraderie and friendship among the uh, the online poker community. And ACR is America's Card Room. And is that the site that you play on the most, or is it an exclusive thing? It's honestly
0: the only site that I have been playing on for the last, I don't know, probably three or four years. I would say I've played... Maybe ten tournaments on some of the other sites over the last three or four years. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So you're, which you're is pretty much a very ACR. low. I play more than ten tournaments a day, so just to put that in perspective, like that's very low amount.
1: Right. So I took a a, a little shot at ACR a while back, and uh, I found the competition extremely tough. Do you feel like the uh, the the typical tournament grind on ACR is tougher than than it might be on some of the other sites
0: uh it depends on the stakes you're playing so if you play the really high stakes if you start playing like the 320s and up yeah you're going to be playing against really really tough fields right yeah. and the nature of the tournaments on acr is they're all re-entries through registration period right right and are the vast majority of them and by vast majority i mean like probably 99 and a half percent of them or <laughs> that more. Is vast yeah yeah uh, so, you know, basically all of the tournaments, we'll say, um, are re-entries. So what ends up happening is that final tables do end up being tougher competition. You know, you don't get as many weak players getting through to final tables. It happens. It's not, it's not like it never happens, but it's just... It used to be when you would make a, t- a final table, you might have one or two other tough players and a bunch of guys who were just happy to be there, Right yeah and now it's like you might have one or two guys that are just happy to be there and seven really tough players okay. you know or or at least fairly competent players you know
1: right right um yeah because, so, that's... So,
0: so the fields the fields are tough um in general, but you know when you play lower stakes i mean there's definitely money to be made for sure,
1: okay, well, good, well, we're definitely going to uh get into why don't we do that now? why don't we get into? a hand that you played presumably on ACR. You said that you had a hand that you wanted to bring up on the podcast.
0: Yeah, I do. Um, it is a hand. I am not sure if it was a 320 or a 215. Okay. in. Um But it was a, it was a higher stakes buy-in and it was a six max tournament. It was some time ago. Um, And let's see here. So we're dealt in five-handed, and the blinds are 350, 700 with a 70 ante. We are playing about 40 M deep, uh, or 81 big blinds.
1: Thank you for doing the M, by the way. It's All really right. catching on. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if you've been paying attention, but uh, anytime someone tweets me about M and how they're starting to use it again, they're bringing back M. Uh, I always retweet that because I, I think it's exciting that you know we're, we're starting a movement here that we're at least going to consider M uh, as one way to measure your stack. So. Well, I. <laughs>
0: I couldn't think of a way for me to say I could care less about you, Clayton, if I didn't include M in the (laughs) description. If I would have just said big blinds, it would have been a total disregard for yeah. who you are as a person.
1: A slap in my face.
0: Just, I mean, it would have just been like, ah, I just do this with Clayton because he's the guy who does this, not because I enjoy working with Clayton. <laughs> so I'm just going to say big blinds because screw this guy. Right.
1: Yeah, it would <laughs> just be a very passive-aggressive way for me to let, let me know how you really feel. So thanks for yeah. that. Appreciate it. <clears throat> All right. So we've got, a, we've got a good stack here. M is 40, 81 big blinds. Yeah. It's, uh, so, what is our stack in uh, number?
0: Okay, we have about 56,000 chips at 700 okay. big blind.
1: Okay, great. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Okay.
0: The, it folds around to the button, and he is an aggressive regular. Uh, he's a regular in like the medium and high stakes tournaments on ACR. Mm-hmm. Uh, plays pretty well. Really aggressive. Uh, definitely uh, can be tough at times. And he opens the button for a min-raise at 14. He has about the same amount of chips. He has like 78 big blinds. So he starts the hand at roughly 54,500, and we have about 56,000. Okay. Right? So we're basically in the same ballpark as far as our stack goes, and we are well in front of the table. He opens to 1,400 on the button. The small blind folds, and we have Jack eight of clubs in the big blind.
1: Oh, yeah, this is an interesting hand already. Okay, so... Now, five-handed – now, uh, this is probably, I'm guessing, about halfway through the tournament?
0: Uh, Yeah, I would say something like that. I would say there's probably two or three levels of late registration left, and usually, I don't know, we're probably two-thirds through the field by the time registration ends.
1: Okay, so we're not exactly close to the money, but you're saying that we have an above-average stack – Oh, yeah, well above average. Well above average stack. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So, and now people are still buying in. And, you know, if we have 56,000, they're going to buy in and get what, 10,000 or something? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. People are buying in for 10,000 at this level. Okay. Got it. So we're we're in really good shape uh, compared to the field. Right.
1: Right. And are the other players at your table um, similar skill level to this player on the button you seem to be giving him a good amount of respect
0: uh there is a, a good player on my left who folded in first position which would be the hijack here mm-hmm. yeah and then uh a couple of relatively unknowns guys i've played with before i don't know that much about they both seem to be on the looser side one of them i think is kind of a looser kind of a uh we'll call him a recreational player okay yeah. um you know, so he's he's in there too, but everybody else folded, so nobody else is actually involved here. But yeah. yes, those guys are at the table.
1: So some people might be wondering why the heck I'm asking that question when the other players have all folded. But you know, for me, part of playing well in tournaments is considering all the factors. So in other words, do I want to get involved? Like if I'm considering re-raising with this hand, or if I'm considering, uh, you know, playing back at my opponent here. One reason to do that would be because it's just a really tough table and I need to fight for every pot or I'm going to get lost in the shuffle. Uh If there are softer spots at the table, then maybe playing a big pot against this player from out of position is not advised. So you know, I think some players, they kind of look at their hands in a vacuum, and I try to consider the entire situation. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. Now, of course, if you're playing online and you got 16 tables open on your screen at a time, and they're all five max, I really doubt you're <laughs> you're going to really be able to think about the subtle nuances of, of the game. Sure, you're
0: probably sticking to a pretty straightforward strategy at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So just you know, the more tables you have open, the fewer variables you can consider. Um, but I think the players that do a lot of tables, uh, they they probably feel that even though they're giving up a little bit of edge by not considering every single factor, they are uh still enjoying a nice edge just by having that many more multiples of of their E V on you know, that many more tables. Sure. But I, I think there is a there is a certain point, uh I don't I, I got the wrong term in my head. It's not the inflection point, but there's a there's a point at which the balance shifts and that sure, now you are. A tipping
0: point, right? That's oh. it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. A tipping point, even.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I got your back, please.
1: Yeah, appreciate that. So, uh, with all that uh, in mind, I think calling is the play here. Uh, let's just see a flop. We have a suited uh, two gapper. Um, we've got so many chips. Compared to the pot and also compared to the average, I don't really want to get involved in a raising war pre-flop here. And I also don't want to fold because I think our hand is too strong, especially given the attractive pot odds. So let's call and see a flop.
0: I 100% agree. Sweet. So that's what we do. We call and we see a flop. And so there's 3,500 chips in the middle and we're playing 53,000 effective. So we're very deep.
1: Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, something like 16 or 17 times the pot, right? Yeah, give SPR
1: of about 17 here.
0: Yeah, give or take, right? Sure. So sure. the flop comes, remember we have jack eight of clubs, flop comes ace of clubs, jack of diamonds, seven of diamonds. So we Can you repeat pair. that
1: one time? I'm sorry, I lost you for sure. one second.
0: There. No problem. It's ace of clubs, jack of diamonds, seven of diamonds. Okay. So we flop pair with backdoor flush and backdoor straight draws. Okay. I mean, sorry,
1: middle pair, not top pair. Right,
0: right,
1: pair. right, middle pair. Yeah. Yep. All right, so it's a fairly robust flop for us. A lot of good things can happen. We might even have the best hand right now. I think a lot of times we will. Um, mm-hmm. I see. I you know, I mentioned last time we spoke that I like to have a leading range. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I would put this hand into my leading range here though. I think you could sometimes check raise with this hand. Uh, but I, I think check calling is probably what I would do most of the time.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with that. But so if we're planning on check calling here with this hand, what hands are we planning on again, check calling the turn or check raising the turn? Right. What cards, what cards? We should have that sort of worked out too, right?
1: Yeah. I like that. Having a, a plan for. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, I don't know this player on the button and his exact frequencies, but I think middle pair on this board, unimproved, is probably okay to call twice with. So, check, call, flop, and then check, check, turn, check, call the river.
0: So, when you say unimproved, you mean. Just no two-pair, no trips? Or do you mean not unimproved, like we didn't turn a draw?
1: Right, like we don't pick up any equity, like a a brick.
0: Okay, and then what cards would you consider a check raise with them?
1: Yeah, so I think check-raising, obviously, when we make trips or two-pair, but I think you could also check-raise sometimes when you pick up – Well, another card that could help us, especially a really good one like the Ten of Clubs, something like that, would be a fun card to check raise because you could also represent uh, a straight when cards like that show up.
0: Wait, like cards like what show up? I'm sorry, I missed.
1: The Ten of Clubs?
0: Yes, 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 yes. yes. So like, well, yeah, that's like one of the, the most perfect cards in the deck for us, right?
1: Yeah, so putting that as well as any eight as well as any jack. Into our check raising range might be pretty
0: reasonable. Well, do you think though if that you're only check raising when you're in this spot when it's the ten of clubs or maybe like we'll call the nine of clubs too? That's pretty much the same. Yeah, right? same card. Yeah. Okay, so that's two cards in the deck that were check. Raising as a bluff, and then there's two five cards in the deck that we're check raising as value. So I guess, yeah, I guess that makes that that makes some sense.
1: Yeah, I don't think we need too many more in there. I mean, obviously sizing will really determine whether you're perfectly balanced uh, game theoretically uh, optimally. But I think, yeah, just have you know, you're not going to be check raising that often, especially on the turn. Mm -hmm. So. Just having a, a couple of bluffs for the few times that you will be doing that is good. And I like the 10 of clubs actually a little more than the 9 of clubs because uh, you just have more straights. Yeah, yeah, fair enough.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so let's check. And then, of course, his sizing will help make up our mind as well.
0: Absolutely. So we check. We do check. I don't, I, I would never leave him in this situation either. And he bets 1,400. So same bet as pre-flop. He bets 14 into 35. So what is that? Roughly 40% of the pot. I think that's two parts into five. So yeah, yeah. he bets 40%. So now uh, I think we already kind of agreed that we would be check-calling this flop uh, almost always. And this is certainly a reasonable bet size to check-call
1: yeah. Now, Jason, I wanted to, before we move on to the turn, mm-hmm. um, you, I, I believe you said the last time we spoke that you don't, you're not a big donk leader. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any flops that you might just bet right into him?
0: So not at this stacked ups. Right. I would, bet, I would do that. Like when, when stacked ups are a lot shorter, I will have a leading range, uh, from time to time. Um, but, with, when the stacks are this deep, I basically have a hundred percent check to the razor strategy
1: right, okay, so
0: that so that way it's just easier for me. I don't know if it's laziness or I just I'm not smart enough to figure it out, <laughs> but it's it's easier for me to sort of figure out on the flop how to deal with my ranges like if I have a leading range, it's like how do I break it up so that I still have strong checks, or how do I break it up so that I still have some you know, draws that I check and draws that I lead and strong hands that I check and strong hands that I lead, it just gets sort of convoluted for me. So I, I feel like it makes – it keeps the game a little bit more simple to just have a 100% checking range. And that way I have all strong hands – like I, I check all of my strong hands and I check all of my weak hands.
1: Right, right. Whereas I might lead with uh, a set of sevens, uh, a flush draw – uh ace seven like I'll have some leads in there that are value hands as well so. as the flush draws being the uh and, and what I'm looking for there is that my opponent will also ha- like if I flop two pair magically right uh then I'm just hoping that my opponent has an ace or that he will bluff me because a lot of players that you know no one leads pretty much everyone checks to the razor so when you do lead, they don't really believe me.
0: Yeah. They yeah always, no, that is true.
1: They pretty much always put me on the flush draw, which I will sometimes have. Yep. But I really get paid a lot when I actually have something.
0: So I wonder this, though. So that's a nice exploitative play for sure. But I'm, I'm wondering, in a tougher game, with people who maybe played with you before and, and kind of understand that tendency you have... What, if you're if you're check raising or if you're leading your two pair and you're leading your one set that you have because I would imagine that we both can agree you're probably three betting both aces and jacks pre flop.
1: Yeah, I would say close to one hundred percent of the time.
0: Right. So the vast majority of the time we're going to be three betting those. So we don't really have any top set or middle set on this board. We're leading our bottom set and we're leading our two pair combos and then we're also leading some flush draws. So when we check. We are severely capped in this situation for anybody who might know your game.
1: Right. Yeah, that's a really good point because – but also, you know, (laughs) my way of balancing that is I don't always lead with the strongest hands. Right. So I don't do it every single time. So I'm capable of checking to the razor with the bottom set or two pair just as I'm capable of checking to him, especially at this stack depth, with a flush draw. Because sometimes I'll go for the check raise.
0: Right. 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 Right.
1: Yeah. So Not sometimes that. I lead that, the that flush draw, sense. and sometimes I check raise it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No. Fair enough. And I'm sure sometimes you check your set of sevens too, and sometimes you check your ace jack or ace seven as well, right? Right. Yeah. I
1: don't always lead them, but I like right. to have a leading range. I don't like to. I don't like to have that. I don't like to take that tool out of my bag completely.
0: Fair
1: enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But I noticed that everybody checks their razor. I mean, especially live. Like, yes. I, you never, I mean, almost never see any donk leading. And I just feel like it's something that, uh, it's, when, when I do it, I notice how confused my opponents always seem. And so it might be something just for the sake of being hard to read, just to throw in sometimes maybe even a total stone-cold, you know, five- six five of hearts on this board.
0: Yeah, yeah, just like a a complete air ball. Yeah. Just kind of like a barrel if you turn a straight draw or something like that. Yeah, yeah, where
1: you might be able to pick up a little something, but nothing you've got to get too excited about. So, yeah, I mean, obviously when you play online, especially if players use a HUD, which I think on ACR is possible. Mm -hmm, It uh,
2: is.
1: Yeah, so then I think that it's really, really important that you balance your ranges and that everything is you know is kind of in line but obviously when you're used to playing live like i am it's it's less important it's still very important especially against tough opponents but it's even against them it's way less important because they can't see all the hands i played for the last three years
0: yeah 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 true true yeah Yep. no that makes sense
1: yeah all right so i guess we uh we can move on if you're ready
0: Sure. So, okay. So, where were we? We were at the 3500 in the middle. He bets 14K after we checked to him.
1: 1400.
0: 1400. Yes. Yeah.
1: Sorry. <laughs> that would be a big overbet. That's,
0: that's, that's a little bit of a difference, right? <laughs> 1400, 1400 to 3500, and I think we both agreed we would go for a check call here.
1: Right. Right. Right.
0: So we call. There's now 6,300 in the middle, and we get the 10 of spades on the turn.
1: Okay, 10 of spades. We like that card, Uh, Mm -hmm. which kind of reminds me of a question you asked about five minutes ago. What cards would we check raise on the Mm -hmm. turn?
0: That's right.
1: And I said the 10 of clubs, so do we we check raise the 10 of spades? I mean, you could definitely make a case for it. Uh, it's a it's a good card for us. Gives us a little bit more equity. Yep. Uh, yeah. And this deep, you know, you can really apply a lot of pressure to your opponent when, you know, he probably won't have better than one pair very often.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's going to have such a wide open range, and he is going to be c-betting on ace-high board maybe 100%. Right. Yeah, he's probably
1: opening 100% of his buttons or close to it at a five-handed table.
0: Mm -hmm. And he knows that in our range, we probably don't have any pocket aces or pocket jacks. Right. So we don't have top sets on this board. Um, So he can barrel on the turn here quite often, too.
1: Right. Uh, We do block a few straights with our eight. Mm Mm-hmm. So that makes it more attractive, I think.
0: Yep. Uh,
1: All right, so I guess we're going to check to him again, right?
0: Yep, we checked to him here on the turn, and he leads for half pot, 3,150 into 6,300. So now there's 9,450 in the middle, and he has 48,000 behind. We have him covered.
1: Okay, now when he bet a smaller percentage of the pot on the flop than he did on the turn... Or to put another way, he's now betting a larger percentage on the turn than he did on the flop. Would you read anything into that sizing?
0: No, I think that's really standard. I think that most players, especially nowadays, nowadays online, uh, they're going for smaller c-bets and then larger turn bets. Now usually the bet sizes are even more polarized than what he's doing. Like he went 40% now he's going 50. It's not unheard of for players to go like 25% and then 75%, hmm. you know? Um, and that is sort of like the standard line, especially um, on more wet runouts. And this is sort of, this is a pretty dynamic board with, you a know, flush draw on the flop. This 10 fills in a lot of stuff. It's pretty coordinated. Uh, there's a lot of different things going on. So I, I would sort of expect a value hand to bet a little bit larger for protection and value.
1: Okay, so then that might lean us more towards thinking he he's that much more likely to be bluffing because he's not really betting well,
0: for, bl- for bl- value. Going for thin value with just like even like ace-king or ace-queen, you know, just like a, or even just like an ace, you know, ace-five, like just going for thin value with top pair kind of a thing. But, oh, yeah, also having – You know, potentially some flush draws, potentially, uh, you know, some just random king-x or queen-x hands that have gut shots, hands like that, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's pretty hard to range him.
0: Yeah, he's just going to have such a wide range, and especially his range doesn't shrink all that much when he c-bets the flop. And he is a player that plays on the more aggressive side, so I don't think his range is going to lighten up that much on the turn either because he's just the kind of aggressive player who is almost always going to bet the flop and then because of our pre-flop range is going to bet this turn a lot too okay um so he's basically wide open here he can have all of his button range button opening hands which is probably i would say you know in the neighborhood of 50 percent or so 45 50 percent of hands
1: right but it's it's kind of hard for him to have nothing at all just because the board is so coordinated.
0: Sure, sure. Like he's going to – yeah, it's very hard for him not to have some piece of this. Right. That's
1: for uh, sure. Yeah. So, okay, with that in mind, do you think – well, let me ask you this way. Do you think that he would bet more uh, – I mean a greater percentage of the of, of the pot on the turn if he had – a really strong hand
0: yeah i think well yeah because i think for one he would want to protect it because like we said this board has a lot going on and two he's going to want to play for max value right he's going to want to try and get as many chips out of me as he can so i would expect a much larger bet with an actual monster hand here
1: right so mm-hmm. it's we can discount the possibility that he has a monster hand Uh, for a lot of reasons. One of them is that we have an eight. Uh, Another one is that we have seen that he would normally have bet larger with a really big hand. So with that in mind, I think if you did decide to, if if you were to tell me that you like check-raising here, uh, I can get behind it. Um, I typically wouldn't check-raise this. Actually, I think this might be I mean, my first instinct was maybe to check fold, <laughs> even though I said we could call twice. I just, I don't know. This, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what this half pot bet means, and I don't play enough online poker to know. So I'm going to take your word for it that this is probably leaning leaning more towards uh, a bluff, a more of a bluffing hand, or at least not necessarily a bluffing hand, but at least not. The top of his range he yeah it's, it's
0: like a capped value range right 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 okay yeah yeah. yeah 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 yeah, i would say we take out the top of his range just like you said so yeah i think typically i would go for i think at this stack depth and this bat size typically a check call would be in order i think it would be totally okay mean you still have second pair you have a gut shot with it you have a guy with a wide range who opened the button like there's there's a lot of reasons to just call here, I think. I think on a shorter stack size, we could um, maybe advocate more often for a check fold on some stack depths. Uh, but this deep versus aggressive opponent, there's just no way I would check fold it. Right. But that said, you have a good read. I did decide on... So this is the type of player, because of how aggressive he is, I expanded my check raising range, and I was going to be raising here... Uh, with for, If any club came, if any 9 or 10 came, or any jack or any 8, I would have – I think an 8 I probably would have check-called. But okay. a, jack, a jack or any of those draw cards, I was going to go for a check-raise.
1: All right. So you uh, included all the hands that I would check-raise with mm-hmm. as well as the offsuit versions thereof.
0: As well, yeah, the offsuit versions and yeah, any any flush draw that, the card that came, I would go for a check raise here. I think in general.
1: Oh, I see. Any flush card, okay. Mm-hmm. All, right.
0: All right, great. All right. So, a yeah, sure. Like, into a semi Yeah, sure.
1: And now this is this is a nice adjustment, I think, because you're basically reacting to your opponent's aggressive tendencies and mm-hmm. knowing that uh, his half pot on the turn range is so uh, wide and doesn't necessarily include a lot of his best hands because those hands would bet a greater amount. I think this is a good, uh, you know, it's it's good logic for expanding our check-raise semi-bluffing range. Uh, I mean, we're not really value betting, though. I mean, we're not, we don't expect to get called. I mean, I guess you could get called by worse if he has a draw. So in that sense, you, you're kind of merging uh, check-raise Bluffing with check raise value betting, but I sure think sure mostly we want him to fold. <laughs> when we yeah, do yeah, yeah, it. yeah, mostly <laughs> we want him to fold. But
0: you know, if in the unlikely scenario he does call, what river cards are we betting again?
1: Yeah, so that's a that's a good question. Um, that is that is a the million dollar question because there are so many times. When I make a play expecting my opponent to fold very often, but I don't think far enough ahead. Well, if I do this and if by some chance he calls, do I you know, how often should I give up? On what cards should I give up? Mm-hmm. What does his call mean? So yeah. if we put numbers on it, you said that on the turn well did you tell me his bet size on the turn? Yeah, he bet half. Right, that's right. So
0: thirty-one fifty
1: into sixty-three hundred. Into sixty-three. Okay, so thirty-one fifty into sixty-three hundred, and so now if we check raise to a healthy amount like eleven thousand or or something like that, uh, it's hard for him to call with nothing, right? With that kind of, it helps us define his hand a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. 100% agree.
1: So I I would if you do check raise here, I think 11,000 is probably the smallest amount that I would want to go.
0: Yep. And then so then what is our plan across rivers?
1: Across all rivers, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like what? Which which hands are we? Which cards are we betting again?
1: Right. So if he calls the big check raise, then it should be easier for us to narrow his range. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to have at least a pair of aces or a good draw.
0: Yeah, I mean I would say, yeah, I would say he's going to have an ace. He's going to have uh hands like pair plus straight draw like jack queen jack king 10 king sure. 10 queen, you know, 7 8 7 9 10 8 10 9. He's going to have, you know, uh two diamonds sometimes, but I think that honestly, I think that he would throw some of his flush draws if not all of them uh especially the ones without showdown value so like all of his non 10x of diamonds ace x of diamonds i think he would throw a lot of those into his shoving over our check raise range right wow i think i think he would do that because i think he's gonna he's the type of player the way that that i believe he thinks that he's not just going to want to have only two pair or better when he shoves on us. He's going to want to have mostly value, but some bluffs. And so the best bluffs for him to have are either some combo draws with flush draws, like, you know, I mean, I guess he could do it with like 10 queen of diamonds or something like that. But I think that for the most part, he's going to have to choose some some flush draws to just call, but he's going to shove some of his flush draws, probably his weakest ones, right? Like, yeah. if he opens 6-4 diamonds on the button, I think without showdown value, he'd want to just get that in.
1: Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I, it makes sense. It just seems to me like, you know, you've got probably twice the average stack. You're up against the only other, you know, big stack at the table. You, you're you halfway through this tournament. Uh, it just seems like... Getting involved in this huge, you know, confrontation. There's going to be 170 big blinds in the in the well- middle.
0: I should say that this this particular player and I have a ton of history and <laughs> okay. we go hard at each other.
1: <laughs> okay. So yeah, you go Yeah, there's <laughs> lots of three betting and
0: four betting going on between us. Right. There's right, lots right. of I don't know what was going on in this particular tournament, right? This one. I'm talking about our whole history of the, yeah, the last yeah. few years. Okay, right? well that
1: does change things a bit. Yeah. yeah. So
0: we have we have quite a bit of history. And, he, and, and and it is a, a fairly aggressive history.
1: Got it, got it. Got yeah, it, I certain. mean, okay, so a, yep. a, a spitting contest, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was the, <laughs> that was the
0: friendliest way
1: you could have that. <laughs> Yeah, no, we've all been there, and this is part of the game, you know. This is yeah. definitely part of the game, and if you feel like that's uh, part of what's going on, then um, it might be a – it it might make it more attractive to check and call. He's well, giving you 3 so, to 1 with his half pot bet and if you if you're worried, I mean you could easily get outplayed if you make it 11,000 and this guy shoves with any flush draw.
0: Well, so the issue the only issue I would say with that is I think that I would go for a check call if I felt like he had a more polarized range and bet, say, two-thirds pot or larger. Right, right, right. I think a check and call would make more sense because he's either going to have air or he's going to have, like, a really strong hand. But I think when he bets this sizing, he's just going for a lot of thin value. He's not going to do this as a trap with a very, very strong hand. He's going to want to try and get my stack because he knows that I'm not going to want to give up against him with a lot of hands. Um so here's the thing. I say that we have a history of being aggressive, but it's just, I don't think that either one of us are going out of our way to play aggressively towards the other player. like Right, Julie right. It's just that neither one of us are going to back down with our ranges. Like, Got we're not it. afraid of each other, even though we've ended up in these, like, sort of big situations against each other, you know? Right.
1: It's, yeah, it's not like a big rivalry that you guys have. No, no,
0: no, no, no. Yeah. I know I made it, maybe I made it sound like that. But the, the thing is, is, like, it's just one of those situations where we've, where both of us like to play aggressively with our ranges, and we just don't back down against each other, right,
1: right, right, you know?
0: And so, you know, when I see this bet size on the turn and this card that kind of helps me, like, the thing that I don't mind is if he has a huge hand and just jams over the top of me here. Like, that's fine. I don't mind just, like, raise folding because I think that the majority of his range is just going to fold or call because he has he's so capped at having just, like, top pair at best, you know?
1: Right, so with that in mind, if he does shove, are you planning to call with with your hand because he's probably going to be so weighted towards flush draws in that case?
0: Uh, I don't think that he's necessarily that weighted towards flush draws. I mean, I think it's probably fairly even like he would still have hands like ace-10, ace-7, ace-jack, right. pocket-jacks, pocket-aces, pocket-7s, pocket-10s, sets, two-pair combos – he, and then he's going to have some combos of flush draws in there. And, you know, you know, think about all the combos of flush draws he can have that I think he would shove. And, like, what is it, like 15 combos? So he's, like, maybe even?
1: Right, but not I even, thought...
0: Not, not even, even, he's going to have less combos of flush draws than he is uh, value hands.
1: Right, but we also said that the very best value hands, he will probably have bet a larger amount.
0: Right, but what I'm saying is... is that's why I don't expect him to shove over the top of me very often but because when I just – I think that when – I think that when I check raise here, I'm pretty much guaranteed to see the river because I just – I don't think that he's going to be shoving over the top. And if he did, I think I would just say, well, more power to you and let him have it.
1: Right. So then if he really does shove with those flush draws, then you just kind of get outplayed sometimes. Yep. Yeah, which is yeah. fine. I mean, you're supposed to get outplayed sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone gets owned from time yeah.
1: to time. You know? Yeah, I mean, how crazy do we want to go with a pair of Jackson and shot? <laughs> right, 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 right.
0: I'm not trying to get 80 blinds in here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to win this pot. Hopefully, take it down now, and if that doesn't work, well then we'll, you know, figure it out.
1: Right, right. Well, it's creative. I like it. All right. Mm-hmm. So, did you make it and eleven thousand?
0: I made it eleven thousand two hundred twenty-two. So you had it spot on with the I
1: approve there. of your sizing, sir. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I like the three twos at the end. Just really make them wonder what's he doing you with know, the twos. It's well, like... it's
0: just more that it made a five or a zero at the end of my stack because I'm weird like that. <laughs> <A> little OCD.
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's because the 2 is next to the 1 on the keyboard. And you're too lazy to reach over to any other numbers.
0: No, it was either gonna, it was, my bet size was either going to end in a 2 or a 7. We'll say that. <laughs> you
1: got to get it down. To, oh, my <laughs> goodness. All right. Well, ther- you can start therapy for that next week. Uh, <laughs>
0: right.
1: All right. So Fair then you, you do your check raise and what happens?
0: Well, with all this talk about what we might do on the river, which we never actually discussed, we, 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 we asked the question, but we never got an answer from you, yeah. what, what hands do you continue with on the river?
1: Yeah, honestly, I don't think I would continue with very many hands on the river. Um, the reason why is because I think when he calls this big check raise, he should have uh, hands that will be very hard. For me to get him off of, especially in light of the uh, history explanation that you just gave us. Uh, I, I think that he's going to hero too often with uh, just one pair, a top pair. And also I'm beating a lot of his range, which is like the draws, the pair with a draw, the flush draws, like all those kinds of hands. So...
0: So that... Okay, but then, then I think we need to think about. I, I I don't disagree with your thought process here, but the question I would then ask is, what hands are we representing when we check raise this turn?
1: Yeah, so we are representing two pair mm-hmm. or better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I mean, I think that's what we're representing. I don't well, think anything
0: he, else, any other type of hands he might want to put us on that we're check raising with. Because well, he if could, he's calling this check-raise and putting us on two-pair, that's – whoa.
1: Right. So that's why I would usually give up. So – Because the only thing I can beat now is – well, no, yeah, see. I, I mean I see where I'm kind of hitting a roadblock logically on that.
0: Um, well, don't you think that we could be check-raising some flush draws here?
1: I mean, of course. Of course we could. Right. Of course we could, and he could put us on that and just call with, like, a top pair.
0: Exactly. Well, we've already capped his range at top pair at best by his bet sizing, right? Right. So when he calls us, we still give him that range. We don't change it. Right. And so if he has top pair at best, he's calling with top pair hoping we have a A flush draw.
1: Or some other kind of combo draw.
0: Right, or some other kind of combo draw. But most of our combo draws are hands that have showdown value and probably wouldn't check raise, right? Right. Right. Like most people, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to make any judgments, but my observation is that most people aren't check-raising jack-eight or ten-nine or, you know, jack-nine on a board like this, right? Yeah, that's why I like to play because
1: it's it's creative. It's definitely outside the norm, yeah.
0: And that said, I'm not even doing this most of the time. It was just an exploitative situation. I felt like his range was capped and so I wanted to go for it, right? Turn my... Uh, middle pair into a semi-bluff. And if I get him to fold the worst hand, then, oh, well, let's scoop this pot, you know? Yeah. You know, so, it's, so I'm not saying that, like, oh, most people aren't sick enough to do this. Like, I'm not. Like, I would probably check raise here, like, one in 50 times, you know?
1: Right, maybe a little 100%. more often against this – yeah, this yeah, guy. yeah. You yeah, have this yeah, friendly in rivalry a situation
0: where I have a specific read on a player. It's going to happen a little, but I'm saying I only get that specific read. What, two percent of the time? Right, right, right. Yeah, okay, yeah, time. I
1: got you. Yeah.
0: You know, it's very, very limited times where I'm going to be able to do something like this. So, 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 I guess my my thought is this, right? Like, I agree with you. Most rivers shutting down. I would think that we would. I think I would check an eight if it came, and just go for like the crying check call. If, yeah, right. If, if we river an eight. Right. Yeah, and if River a jack, yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm betting. Yeah. Right? I think I'm betting for value. And if we, and then I think if it's a diamond, we need to continue the bluff unless it's the ace of diamonds. But I think the 10 of diamonds is okay, even though it pairs the board because we're repping so many ten sevens, sevens, jack tens, ace tens. We're repping all those hands when we check raise the turn. Right, So when it fills up on the river, we can continue our bluff on the Ten of Diamonds as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. If the board um, pairs, I, I think that's a good yeah. – well, yeah. But okay. if, it's
0: the ace, though, if it's the ace though, I don't like it because I feel like when he calls this check race, he has a lot of ace-x.
1: Yeah, I mean a lot of his you know? range is ace-x and I think that he has flush draws and like you said, like 8-7 yeah. type hands.
0: Yeah, and I don't think he's the type of player who's going to fold trip aces to me on the river even if it's the ace of diamonds, is all I'm saying. No. Like, I wouldn't try and bluff him off of that. No, you no, know? yeah. Um. So, yeah, so that is my plan going to the river. It's check, raise a nine. Or, I mean, keep betting a nine because we have a straight. Keep betting a jack because we have trips. Keep betting a diamond that's not the ace of diamonds because we're going to bluff the flush draw. We're going to pretend like we're, you know, we're, we're repping the flush. Right. Yeah. And then just give up everything else. Okay. Like no other cards that we're continuing on, and only check call in eight on the river. You know, yeah don't uh, don't check call any other runouts. Just check full if he if he decides to bet after getting check raised on the turn.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good strategy. Um, I might not have thought of it because I just I I think I was putting maybe too many flush draws. Into his range, and you're taking some out when you get to check raise like that. You're saying you think he might throw away some of his he, flush draws or shove. He's super
0: aggressive with his semi bluffs, and I think if he had a flush draw after I check raise, knowing that I can be bluffy with my check raises, I think that he would just pile it if yeah. he had a flush draw here, like a lot of his flush draws anyway. Yeah,
1: and he he is he doesn't have to worry about looking foolish when you have a straight or <laughs> something.
0: No. No, he's – I mean, and he's the type of guy who he does not – like he, he doesn't care at all about losing a big stack of chips. Like he is the type of player who if he feels like he can get a fold, he's going to go for it with, with any amount of chips. Like he's just fearless. Right. You know? He's right. that kind of guy.
1: All right. Well, he seems like a real – Fun guy to be at a five-handed table with.
0: Well, fun guy, but he's tough too. Like he's he's not he's not a pushover. No, you know? I was
1: being sarcastic. I oh, hate playing right, against okay, guys okay. like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like
0: he'll give you action, that's for sure. But he's yeah. gonna fight that. Like he's gonna fight for it too. You
1: yeah, know? you just have to breathe in and enjoy the variance.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like please bingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome.
1: Well, all right. I like it. Uh, you were able to construct. A, a much bigger continuing range than I would have.
0: Yeah, well, like I said, this is a very exploitative sort of continuing range. It's not a, it's not a continuing range as far as my check raising the turn. I wouldn't check raise the turn quite this often versus your typical opponent. Right, right. Um, so we check raise and he does obviously call with all this conversation. There's no way I would be like, yeah, he just folded. So that's the end of the hand. Wouldn't that be pretty anticlimactic? <laughs>
1: I mean, you were supposed to think theoretically, so why not? <laughs>
0: yeah. True, true, true. But still, we'll let down. Right? Uh, no, he does call. So now there's 28-7 in the pot, and we're playing 40K effective. Yeah. And the six of diamonds comes.
1: Oh, wow. It's not only a diamond, it's a six of diamonds.
0: So <laughs> so it's ace, jack, seven, two diamonds with the ten of spades, and now six of diamonds on the river.
1: Yeah. Um I mean, I guess, according to our plan, we have to continue, yeah,
0: um,
1: I guess the good news is we don't have to shove. I mean, you could be clever and down bet from your check raise even look like you're trying to go for thin value with your little flush draw unless you think he's going to raise that bluff raise that too often.
0: Nah, with a guy like this, like, I I just, if I have a value hand, I am going to bet, like, much larger. Like, okay. two-thirds pot or so, I would say at least. Okay. Um, if I down bet here, if I give him a reason to call, he's going to call. okay, If he just it. decides, like, oh, I'm getting four to one. Right, or right. Or whatever. Right. Like, I'm just going to pay it off.
1: Okay, so let's there's forget so that idea. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Right. So, like, there's just no way I would try and bluff him after all this action in this pot for like 7k you right. know i would just polarize it be bluff bluffing or a value hand i mean you know so i think given that i think i bet around 18k let's see yeah i bet 18.8 into 28.8 okay so about two thirds uh, he tanked for ever i, I want to say he used almost his whole time bank and thankfully he ended up folding wow that's a great but, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so that was, I thought that was a fun hand when I was sort of looking through hands that maybe we could go over and I came across this one. I was like, oh yeah, I remember this hand. This was great, you know? <laughs> um, there's a lot, well, there's just lots to talk about. There's lots of different things because it's sort of an exploitative hand and, um.
1: Yeah, well, you know, you know sort of I, I, I agree with you. I think you picked out a great hand. And, you know, just so the listeners know, I mean, most people have been, uh, real happy with the way we've been approaching these, um, strategy discussions to me my goal is never to see how many hands we can talk about on one episode you know <laughs> yeah 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 i mean we could rush through them and and just you know get to the point well what happened tell me what happened but you know i feel like the little theoretical that we have well what happens if this and what's your plan for that can just help you think about all your hands better yeah, uh, it's just
0: it's good training on like how you should be thinking as you make your decisions you yeah. know because how many times do we end up in a spot where we're like, I'm going to go for this play here, and then something that we were hoping wouldn't happen happens, and then we have no idea what to do when the next card comes out? Right. You or know?
1: or in my case, something we just neglected to consider that could happen. Like, you know, so many times I'll make a, a play like you – know, I'll play a lot of tournaments, and I'll be in a tournament against a short stack, and I'm like, well, his stack is such that he can't just call, so he's either going to shove or fold. And then he calls. (laughs) I didn't think that Well, that what I was supposed to do because nobody in his right mind would ever call. But now he has. So how to proceed, uh, which happens a lot in, you know, more. I'm sure it happens a lot more in live where people just don't. I think people overvalue their uh, tournament life in live poker just because it hurts. It feels it seems like it hurts more. To bust out of a live tournament than it does out of an online tournament.
0: Absolutely, even one tabling all day and when that one's over, it's like, you know, unless you're at some big series where there's constantly tournaments running, it's like, well, now I'm done for the day. Yeah, know?
1: and it's like sad walk back to the hotel room or whatever.
0: Yeah, the walk of shame never you feels you know, good. <laughs>
1: yeah, you, know, you get the sad trombone playing in your head. And yeah. So, yeah, but maybe that just kind of as an as an overall kind of strategy, maybe bluffing more often in live tournaments where players are that much more reluctant to go broke. Or to look foolish. You know, I I find a lot of players they just they don't bluff enough live because they they don't want to look foolish. They don't want to get caught bluffing and have to turn it over and say, Oh, I missed or Yeah. You know, the embar- yeah, you got me or the embarrassed, you know, Jack High and they don't want to turn it over anyway. I mean if you can yeah. say Jack High, you can show Jack High, but <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh I did mention earlier on the episode that we were going to talk about a hand that I played this week but you know this hand has taken all the time that we have and uh I hope that we can leave everyone with a cliffhanger you know stay tuned for next week's episode where we might get to hear the exciting hand that I played in the Planet Hollywood circuit event uh probably no one's going to lose sleep over that but uh it's been a really interesting conversation, not just about the hand, but just about approach and about constructing ranges and, you know, balance, a lot of uh, kind of recurring themes came up as we talked through this one. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I had
0: had no idea when I picked this one out that it was just going to hog the whole hour. I had no idea. (laughs) That's why when we got together and you were like, oh, you only have one. Well, we should find another. You know, and I was like, yeah, you should do that because... This is what I got.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you brought a great, a great hand to yeah. discuss. Uh, mm-hmm. all right. So before we sign off, um, I we'll remind everyone that, uh, Jason is now, what is your new job title?
0: Is the ACR Stormers Manager.
1: The ACR Stormers Manager. So congrats again on that. And,
0: yeah, if uh, you, know, if they have any questions, if, I, if you don't mind, uh, I can give them my info on that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I know they can tweet you at SNOST.
0: They can, or if they have any Stormers-related questions, they can also reach me at acrstormersmanager at gmail.com as well.
1: All right, great. So acrstormersmanager at gmail.com. That's all spelled out, right?
0: Yep, yep.
1: acrstormersmanager at gmail.com. And we will also uh, include the link so that you guys can join and become Stormers uh, on the uh, ACR platform so what else Jason what else do you want people to know about before we say goodbye
0: um uh, I think that is about it if uh anybody is you know um they can check out my twitch stream which I haven't been streaming that much recently but it is twitch.tv slash and lost uh they can reach me on twitter at at snost and lost and yeah that's it
1: terrific and- well, yeah. thank you for, uh you know, coming back on the podcast. Really appreciate it. And thank you for bringing such an intriguing and interesting hand. Uh I'd love to know what your opponent had. <laughs> I know we're not supposed to care <laughs> about what he had this time. We're just supposed yeah. to think in terms of ranges. But there's still a little yeah. part of me is like, I wonder what he folded. I yeah, can't yeah, help yeah. myself. That's,
0: I mean, honestly, it was – You know, knowing him, he could have tanked for a while with, like, Jack King or Jack Queen. Sure. Uh, You know, a hand like that. I think that, you know, I think that he probably just had, like, Ace-5 or Ace-4 or, you know, just some weak Ace that he tanked forever and was like, damn it, all of his bluffs got there on the river, and all of his hands that were for value had me beat on the turn, so I just have to lay this one down. Yeah,
1: and a lot of it's because your sizing on the river is so strong, and it's just threatening to really change his status in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And and he only has one pair, probably. So, yeah, really interesting hand. Thank you again, Jason. And thank you all for listening. Uh, if you are not yet a member of Tournament Poker Edge, I really cannot think of any reason why you wouldn't go right now and sign up. Just visit tournamentpokeredge.com. We have more video with amazing poker expert coaches, such as Jason here, as well as uh, Andrew Brokus, um, Assassinato, uh, so many amazing coaches, uh, obviously Casey Jarzabek, so check out tournamentpokeredge.com, so for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, and my good friend Jason Smith, I'm Clayton Fletcher.
2: this place fold them let them hit me raise it baby stay with me love lock it. and intuition play the cards with base to start and after she's been hooked i'll play the one that's on her heart Face, buck, a bu- bu- face. I wanna roll with her, a hot we will be. While little gambling is fun when you're with me. Russian roulette is not the same without a gun. And baby, when it's love, it's not rough, it isn't fun, fun. Oh, wow.